Hello there. It's your weekly horoscope columnist, Christopher Rundstrom, and I'm delighted to announce that my much-anticipated course with Astrology Hub, The Cosmic Calendar, is now open for enrollment. The Cosmic Calendar is designed to teach you how to turn your birth chart into a personal calendar, one that's uniquely aligned to your natural flow and personal seasons. You'll be able to look at the year ahead and know exactly how to plan your life. Whether you're looking to launch a business, dive back into the dating pool, or finally get around to writing that book you said you'd get around to writing one day, the Cosmic Calendar will help you to identify the best times of year to pursue your dreams. So, if you want to join me for the Cosmic Calendar, you can enroll today by going to astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar. That's astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar. It begins on March 3rd. I am so looking forward to seeing you there. We're going to have a lot of fun. Hi there and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to our week ahead snapshot with world-class astrologer, historian, and author of The Cosmic Calendar, Christopher Renstrom. This show is designed to give you a quick overview of the week ahead, enabling you the gift of choice in how you navigate and weave these energies into your daily life. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Christopher Renstrom, and I'm your weekly horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about the approaching Jupiter-Uranus sextile on February 17th. Now, the Jupiter-Uranus sextile, which will be taking place on February 17th, is one of a series of sextiles that will be leading up to the Pluto-Venus conjunction and the Pluto-Mars conjunction on March 3rd. This is a good thing. Why is this a good thing? The reason why this is a good thing is because sextiles have a tendency to lower the temperature in the room, where things can get more feisty and irascible and agitated. Whenever you have Mars very powerful in the sky, and Mars is very powerful in the sky right now, it is exalted in the zodiac sign of Capricorn, then there's a tendency for things to chafe against each other, for uh, uh, messages to be misinterpreted, uh, for people to sort of think, you know, are you making fun of me? Are you making light of me? You know, it's kind of like if you remember Taxi Driver, Robert De Niro talking to himself in the mirror going, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Then who the hell are you talking to? You know, it's that sort of idea of getting riled up. All right. So this is the type of energy that can happen whenever Mars is really strong. So what you're really looking for when you're looking up the sky, like which is what astrologers do, are things like trines and sextiles. In my opinion, sextiles are a little bit better than trines. And the reason is basically a trine can be a kind of enabling or a facilitating type of energy. It's kind of like, what do you feel like doing tonight? I don't know. What do you feel like doing tonight? Well, that would be a good thing to do tonight. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we should do that tonight. There's this kind of like, you know, sort of supporting each other in, in what can sometimes be the path of least resistance, uh, which is something that can show up with trines. But with sextiles, with sextiles, what's really fascinating is that the two planets involved 
enter into the conversation of a sextile with differences, okay? They, they, they really do have different ways of, of approaching something or they have different opinions or thoughts of an idea. But what they're going to do is that they're going to put aside their differences in order to work for what would be their mutual benefit, okay? Now, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, when two planets are sextiling that, um, you know, they're, they're the best of friends, even, uh, it doesn't mean that they're the best of friends any more than they're mortal enemies. What it means is, you know what, I recognize the benefit of working with you, you recognize the benefit of working with me, so we're going to put aside our differences and help each other out to achieve a common goal. And so this is what's going to be taking place as Jupiter approaches its sextile to uh, Uranus, which is in the zodiac sign of Taurus. Now, let me sort of break down the relationship here between uh, Uranus and Jupiter. Uh, we've spoken in previous uh, podcasts about Uranus being connected to the realm of eternity. Uh, Uranus's name in Greek mythology was uh, was, well, basically Oronos, which meant Father Sky or Father Heaven or Vault of Stars. And so this idea was that when the sun set and you looked up at the nighttime sky, all of a sudden, you know, the nighttime sky was full of these extraordinary stars, these extraordinary lights in heaven, something we can still see today and and still today strikes us with awe and wonder. And so when the ancients looked upon these nighttime skies and saw these extraordinary stars, these, these faceless stars, these, these removed stars, um, they, they, they were struck with awe and wonder. And this is where they, this gave them the idea of eternity. You know, everything here on the planet um, lives and grows and dies. Um, we, we, we live fixed lifespans, but these stars predated when we came into this world and these stars will still be staring down upon us remotely uh, when we leave this world. The stars never aged as far as the ancients were concerned. And so this is why the realm of stars, what we call space now, um, was associated with eternity. Okay, so Uranus represented eternity. The planet that then came next in planetary order, you know, the one that was below uh, eternity or the one that was below Uranus was Saturn. And Saturn was the planet of time. Uh, the Saturn's name in, in Greek is Kronos, and it means time. And so what separates our life here on Earth from eternity, but time. So, so Saturn, you can sort of think of as the glass, the ultimate glass ceiling, the one that that none of us is ever going to break through, you know, that that time confines life here, here on this planet. So you go from eternity, Uranus, to time, Saturn, to Jupiter, okay? And Jupiter basically was the blue sky itself. I mean, it's referred to as a sky god, uh, but it's not a sky god in the same terms or understanding that Uranus is the sky god. Uranus is the sky god in terms of the vault of heaven. You know, you, you, you see the stars at night and you're struck with awe and wonder about eternity, these, these, these unblinking faceless stars. Um, and then uh, you, you, you experience Jupiter and Jupiter is literally blue skies, okay? And the way that the Greeks, they, they sort of improvised on this or, or they developed this idea in their own mythological lexicon, the way that the Greeks worked with this 
is that you would have Apollo, which was the god of the sun, rise, okay, on a new day. And as it rose on a new day, it brought with it the sky, you know, as, as the sun gets higher. And you can see it if you're out dog walking at like 5.30 in the morning or whatever. You can watch the sun rise and it literally changes from the dark of night to the rosy streams of dawn to, to the beginnings of, the, of, of, a, of a blue day, if that happens to be a clear day. Now, the Greeks saw the idea of the sun and the light as two separate things. And the best analogy for this would be a candle. Um, let's say you're in a dark room and you light a candle and, and you've got this candle and you can see, but you can see the light of the candle in the dark room. And, and maybe if you put your book next to it or, 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 or a letter next to it, you could read that book or letter. I'm obviously referencing like an earlier time before electricity and lights, okay? So, so, so the idea of like you could work by candlelight, but it meant being very, very sort of close to the light so, so that you could see. So this is basically what the sun was. It was this light that would appear, but what Jupiter was, what I want you to think of is what happens when you put a candle, for instance, in a hurricane lamp. Okay, a hurricane lamp is a large glass, glass lamp. And, and if you put a candle in a hurricane lamp or any sort of lantern, uh, the light uh, uh, diffuses, the light spreads out, the light uh, uh, expands, and you can see more of, of the room. It's not just a point of light, uh, which the Greeks associated to the sun, but a light being diffused through a room, and that's what the Jupiter, uh, that's what the Greeks saw as Jupiter. Okay, so Jupiter was literally um, the blue sky, the blue sky that acted as, as a sort of hurricane lamp around our world, so that as you had the sun begin a day, um, that that light filled the sky and you could literally see the globe of Jupiter. You could see the lantern of Jupiter in the day. You could see it because the stars disappeared. Uh, the moon began to fade. Uh, you began to see things more distinctly. You could look around on a clear day and you could see the clouds up in the sky. You could see uh, the grass beneath your feet. You could look in all sorts of directions. You could say hi to your neighbor and recognize their face. They weren't, you know, a, a voice, uh, an unrecognizable voice in the dark, um, you know, so, so you could see things. So this is what Jupiter represented. It, it, it represented the idea of being able to see things. And because you could see the clouds in the sky and the grass under feet and you could wave to your neighbor and you you could climb on a hill and see a beautiful vista or see long distances or on a dock and see the ocean and maybe a ship in the distance. Okay, this is why Jupiter came to represent in astrology our world view, okay? Because it was literally viewing the world, all right? And we could view the world during daytime. And when uh, the sun went down at night, you couldn't view the world the, the same. You couldn't see those long distances and you couldn't you know, recognize things as clearly. So the idea of recognizing clearly, of, of seeing your world, worldview, this is all associated to the planet Jupiter, uh, not only in mythology, but it was also associated to Jupiter in the astrological chart. So Jupiter will always rule over your worldview. Um, that might be a political worldview, that might be a religious worldview, that might be a spiritual uh, worldview, um, that might be a philosophical worldview, an ideological worldview, but your worldview, your philosophy, the, the way that you feel life works, okay, and the meaning that you assign to things in life, this will all go back to 
Jupiter. All right. Uh, so, so Jupiter is also represent is also the planet of fortune, of good fortune and higher purpose. And the idea of that is that uh, whatever brings us good fortune, we ascribe as being providential. Or, or showing that we're within the good graces of God. Uh, maybe it's a smile that, maybe it's a planet that's smiling on us, a destiny that favors us, or a God that we pray to that, um, you know, that has returned the response with the answer to our prayers or a miracle or revelation or something along those lines. So anything dealing with belief and with faith, faith, uh, faith, not fate, anything dealing with belief or with faith um, a faith that you put in a higher power, a faith that you put in a higher purpose, this is connected to the uh, planet Jupiter in an astrological chart. So here we have Jupiter um, approaching the planet Uranus, all right? Jupiter is in Pisces right now, the zodiac sign that it rules, and Uranus is in Taurus. So Jupiter is approaching Taurus. So, so literally you're dealing with two sky gods, okay? You're dealing with, with the god of the blue sky approaching the god of eternity, uh, all right, here. And that sounds rather like, wow, that's, 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 that's big stuff. That, that should be big stuff. And an astrologer would say to you, oh, yes, this is big stuff. Whenever you're dealing with the modern planets, uh, you're dealing with big stuff. Um, and, and if you're dealing with, and, and the modern planets, again, are Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And then when you're dealing with the slower moving, moving planets, like uh, Jupiter or Saturn, because they take so long to move into position, you're dealing with developments that unfold over a longer period of time, a longer period of time than maybe being in the moment, which could be something mercurial or, or even lunar. So with this approach that we have of, of Jupiter to Uranus, um, it's a kind approach, okay? It's, it's, it's a nice approach, it's a kind approach. Um, it's a kind approach because uh, Pisces is a water sign, uh, Taurus is an earth sign, and the two of them are, uh, the two of them get each other, the, the two of them like each other, they're not the same element, they may have their differences, but they can put aside their differences and work, work together. And so what I have seen uh, before with, with uh, Jupiter Uranus sextiles, is that once again, uh, the nature of the aspect amends the behavior of Uranus. Okay, this is this is a sextile that that is approaching, uh, so it's a benevolent. It's it's understood to be a benevolent aspect in in astrology, and then once again we have to sort of take Jupiter and see how Jupiter would work with uh, Uranus, and the first image that comes to mind that that I rather like is, um, you know, if Uranus is the vault of heaven, is if, if, if Uranus is father sky, eternity, it's all the stars in the sky, um, then Jupiter, Jupiter is, Jupiter is the planet that connects the dots in the sky. Jupiter is the planet that connects the dots in the sky to make constellations. Okay, and of course, um, that that goes back to an early part of the imagination of our uh, civilization is that idea of constellations of, of, of constellating. So so Jupiter is kind of like connecting the dots of the stars in the sky to create constellations to create guidance. Okay, and to create meaning. Um, who are the major purveyors, the carriers of astrology in ancient civilization? It's sailors and traders, um, uh, particularly 
sailors uh, because they use the stars to guide their ships by at, at night. And so, and so they're going to different ports of call and things like this. So, so this idea of using the star to guide you, to guide your ship at night. So th this idea of guidance is very Jupiterian. Um, and also this idea of interpretation Okay, interpretation is a very Jupiter thing to do. Um, Jupiter is not analytical in its behavior. Jupiter interprets, it interprets the meaning of something um, and, and the meaning of something is interpreted in such a way as to give guidance. It could be moral guidance, it could be uh, religious guidance, it could be philosophical guidance. So this is what I, I see, uh, this is the first idea that I have as I see uh, Jupiter approach uh, Uranus in, in its sextile. The second idea that strikes me here is one of um, is 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 one of weaving together. Okay, Jupiter was a planet that was associated to textiles and to tapestries and to weaving. Uh, what this comes from is. Uh, Jupiter was the god, or Jupiter Zeus uh, was the god of marriage uh, in, in, in the Greek pantheon. Some of you might laugh at that because Jupiter was a famous, you know, philanderer, but he's also the god of, of, of marriage. And so he's the god of, of combining, okay, or, or entering into a union. And in older Greek uh, rituals, when there was a marriage, there were two statuettes that would represent the husband and, 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 and the wife, you know, basically Zeus and Hera or Jupiter and Juno, and they were wrapped together in cloth. They were wrapped together, I, I, I think it was in, in linen, uh, something that was woven, uh, but they, they, were, they were wrapped together in fabric to show their bond. And so it was this idea of the two coming together uh, to become one, not become one as in I lose myself and become you or anything like that, but, but we, we're, we're joining, we're joining our bodies together, we're joining our lives together. And this is something that you'll hear in any marriage ceremony. And so this was also associated to Jupiter. I like the image or the idea of tapestry with Jupiter because Jupiter, uh, when we go back to Zeus and his uh, connection to Polis, the city-state, uh, the origin of democracy in, in Western civilization comes from Greece and, and is ruled by Zeus. Um, it's the idea of weaving together the different threads. It's the idea of weaving together the different strands. Um, and so what you have with Jupiter is, is a planet that naturally integrates. Okay, what it wants to do is integrate. It wants to weave together the different strands, the different peoples, the different ethnicities, the different you know, voices in society, and it wants to weave it together into a tapestry. Okay, in this idea of democracy where every voice is, is heard, that's at least the idea. Okay, so, and, and when every voice is heard and when people come together in a consensus or a greater agreement, that strengthens the bonds of a, of, of a society or uh, which is what Jupiter ultimately will, will, will stand for. And so there, there's that idea. There's that idea of like weaving together. What I want you to think of is weaving together the different strands to create a tapestry, not a monotonous tapestry. It's not monochrome. It, it's not monochromatic, it's polychromatic. It's, it's of different sources. It's of different strands being wove to, woven together. So that's the second idea that I want you to sort of keep in mind. Um, the third idea that I would like you to keep in mind is that when Jupiter, I've seen this happen with Jupiter approaching Uranus, when Jupiter approaches Uranus by uh, by sextile particularly, um, what what that is is um, 
what Jupiter is doing is that it is uh, it is reforming. All right, it it is it it, it is turning. Uranus from a planet of revolution and change into a planet of reform or reformation. Okay, so it is reforming or it is reshaping uh, the 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 energies at work. So so it's the need to overthrow or or to rebel or to be iconoclastic. Um, that the temperature of that lowers, it goes down, and so uh, and and is replaced by this genuine. Uh, this genuine spirit, this genuine motivation of reform. What can we do to change, to work, what can we do to work with the structures in place and change them for the better, okay? And this is very much a Jupiter-Uranus sextile uh, type of energy that, that, that is going on here. Um, and this is something that we can expect to see, as I said, as we go through this, this, this uh, series of sextiles approaching these conjunctions. But, but the sextile is also uh, important. Well, all aspects, all planetary aspects in astrology have a planetary energy, all right? Okay, so for instance, when you think of a conjunction, okay, the planetary energy of a conjunction is literally the, the sun and moon, you know, something that we experience at a new moon and something that we can experience in a solar eclipse. Okay, so the, the sun rules over the day and then it's taken over by the moon, which is taken over by the sun that rules the following day, which is taken over by the moon. So, so being joined here together, two planets joined here together, con conjunction, that has the uh, energy of the luminaries themselves. Okay, the sun and moon together. Um, an opposition, the uh, nature of an oppositional aspect in astrology is the nature of Saturn, the nature of a square, um, and it's the nature of Saturn because it's polarized and opposite and distant, right? Uh, the nature of the square is combative, so it, the nature of a square will always be Mars. Uh, regardless of what planets are squaring each other, the nature of the square aspect is Mars. The uh, nature of the trine is Jupiter, benevolence and protective. Um, and then the nature of the sextile, the nature of the sextile is Venus. And what I find fascinating about the sextile between uh, Jupiter and Uranus is that Jupiter is in Pisces and it has an approaching uh, sextile to Uranus in Taurus. And when I was thinking about, well, what do these have in common? Um, Venus is in domicile or it rules the zodiac sign of Taurus. And then Venus is exalted when it is in the zodiac sign of Pisces. So basically the sextile is, is benevolent in its nature. It's, it's, it's Venusian in its nature. But what we're also getting a hint of is this is actually a run up to when uh, Venus enters Pisces and Venus enters Pisces on April 5th. I have to check my dates here. Venus enters Pisces on April 5th and it's there from April 5th to May 2nd. And what's gonna be fascinating about this particular uh, tenure of Venus in the zodiac sign of Pisces is that uh, Jupiter will be in Pisces, the sign that it rules, and Neptune will be in Pisces, the modern planet, which is which many astrologers see as the modern ruler of Pisces. So Venus will be exalted during this period of time when it's in Pisces along with Jupiter, which is in domicile. 
and Neptune, which uh, is, is the modern ruler of Pisces. So that April 5th to May 2nd is actually going to be a very benevolent time. And, and so what we're enjoying right now, with fingers crossed, because there's a lot of volatility these days, but what we're enjoying right now are sextiles that are, you know, the, the, the sextiles that are leading to that. And, and the first major sextile that's leading to that is the uh, Jupiter Uranus sextile. So what we can do is that we can look forward to this. Um, what's going to happen is that as the Jupiter and Uranus sextile, the energy of it unfolds uh, as it diffuses through, through our world, um, is that we're, you're going to start seeing the wayward pieces of your life fall into place. Um, you're gonna start understanding how things that didn't look like they were going together are coming together in a new and meaningful way. You're going to be embracing the spirit of reform rather than re rejecting or calling something out or, or having nothing to do with something. There's going to be this idea of, of reform that's also going to be coming through many of our lives. So we can really look forward to these things. Um, and, and, and perhaps, or what I'm saying is I think that, you know, this sextile is paving the way to ultimately uh, that, that, that Venus entering Pisces. And so what we're really talking about is looking into the face of and understanding the shape of things to come. Your weekly horoscope is brought to you by Astrology Hub. If you'd like more extended personalized guidance from Christopher by sun sign and rising, make sure you subscribe to receive the free weekly horoscope delivered via email to your inbox each Sunday. Just go to astrologyhub.com slash horoscope and start receiving even more free personalized guidance today. That's astrologyhub.com slash horoscope. And if you love what we do and would like to support our work, please subscribe to the podcast, give us some stars, and if you feel inclined, leave us a review. It does so much to help us get quality astrology out to the world, and we're grateful for all the time that you take to do this. Thank you for listening in today, and as always, thank you for making astrology a part of your life.